Welcome to Mint, the corner of where crypto meets the creator economy. My name is Adam Levy, and every Tuesday and Thursday, I'll be showing you how the creators of today are building the communities of tomorrow by harnessing the power of Web3. Before we kick off this episode, I wanted to recognize one of the NFT sponsors that's helping make Mint a reality. They are CyberConnect, a decentralized social graph protocol allowing users to own and control their social connections while providing a universal data layer backed by powerful social features to empower developers. Already with 150,000 users and 3 million connections, CyberConnect is the largest decentralized social graph supporting Ethereum, Binance Smart Chain, Near, and Solana with more coming soon. To learn more, visit cyberconnect.me and start connecting with everyone in Web3. This episode welcomes Mike Dudas, co-founder of Six Man Ventures, LinksDAO, and The Block, who joins the podcast to share his perspective on the current state of venture funding, how he managed to raise $10 million in 24 hours, and tips for building tokenized communities. This one's quick, but jam-packed with valuable information from the practitioner himself, so I hope you enjoy our conversation. Mike, welcome to Mint. Thank you for being on. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, Adam. I'm excited to have you a part of season five. I think a great place to start, that's just, this is where I start with everyone, is a quick intro, okay? Who the hell are you? Uh, but more specifically, how did you get your start into crypto? Yeah, so Mike Dudas, uh, have been in crypto you know, full-time since 2018 and actually purchased you know, my first crypto in 2013 and you know, was passively interested. Uh, purchased for the first time because I was uh, working at Braintree and we were thinking about uh, adding Bitcoin payments to Uber and Airbnb in 2013. And I was just interested in global, you know, low fee, censorship resistant, always on uh, payments. Uh, Bitcoin obviously proved to be volatile and, and doesn't work for that. Stable coins actually can serve that purpose now, but that got me interested. And then entered full-time in, in 2018, uh, saw what was happening with Ethereum and smart contracts and, and ICOs and got really excited about uh, the potential uh, for applications that and networks that included you know money um, in terms of and tokens to, to help basically incentivize people uh, to do things to help with governance uh, to help with coordination and you know started as a uh, somebody founded a company called the block uh, to educate folks on news research about the space and then spent some time uh, sold the block last year spent some time at paxos running their stablecoin business and now uh, i'm a full-time investor Nice. So it seems as if like you're quite the entrepreneur yourself from starting all these like crypto companies for the most part. Yet the day to day of your life seems like you manage a fund and you're betting on other entrepreneurs. What are some of the biggest lessons you've learned while being an entrepreneur that you look for while betting on other entrepreneurs? Yeah. So I think the first thing is just, um, you know, you don't have to have like significant uh I wouldn't say like domain expertise. Um, I like to say like a lot of the places that we're investing in, you know, really early stage, so pre-seed and seed and web three or you know, crypto infrastructure and applications, you know, you're investing in a place where there are no experts. Um, at the same time, I want to find people who you know, I believe are like deeply authentic, where when they have a conversation with me, like it's grounded in, um, you know, a, a passion and there's a reason for, for doing what they're doing. 
Um, I, I really like to dig in. I, I'm much as much a people you know investor as I am like an idea investor. So I like to really understand the authenticity of, of where somebody's coming from and why they're like trying to solve a particular problem. Um, and then, you know, I, I want them to be realistic about like uh, not only the technical components of what they're building typically, but like, hey, what's the go to market and how, you know, why are people going to care about this? Um, so those are just like the things that I look for. Uh, I'm not too hung up on, you know, the potential for folks to uh, pivot. Uh, as I mentioned, like the idea could change, but I just want like a sensible hypothesis. Got it. Uh, I know some of the biggest valuations came out of the bull market and people were raising money on some of the craziest ideas, uh, whether they're credible founders in Web3, non-credible, whatever it may be. What are some of the biggest mistakes you witness entrepreneurs make during this uh, recent bull market? Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's, so in crypto specifically, you know, one of the biggest errors that folks could make, and I have my own project called LinksDAO that I started with some folks where we raised money by selling NFTs. Um, and that money was you know, denominated in ETH, we immediately converted to stablecoin. Uh, so one thing, treasury management is just a critic, critical um, problem that a number of projects have run into where they kept their treasuries in their own native tokens and or ETH or SOL. And, and therefore, you know, they have 75% or more um, you know, discounted from the nominal dollar value that they thought they raised. Uh, that would be one. Two would be you know, aggressive hiring. By the way, it's not just a startup problem. You saw Coinbase mm -hmm. overhire. Uh, significantly based on, you know, projecting what happened in Q3 and Q4 of 2021 far into the future. I think a lot of, you know, you've seen some correction, you're going to continue to see more. Um, and then, I mean, look, we all got caught up in it. It's not just the startups, like the belief that we were in, you know, super cycle was kind of a, a joke. And then that like, you know, now it's, a, now it's a joke, but I do think a lot of people belong, believe that, you know, we were, reaching longer cycles and we were going to mm -hmm. stay and that you know, we were still so small and there's such a, I mean, by the way, this, this is the case, but I, I think a lot of us, including myself in, in some cases uh, and in some of the things I invest in and, and did and products that I liked, the products I purchased myself um, thought that we would reach a broader audience more quickly, you know, projected maybe what's going to happen by 2030 mm -hmm. into 2023 or 2022. So what, what's your investment thesis actually at Six Men Ventures? What does yeah, it so we're, we're basically investing in uh, applications and infrastructure. Uh, you know, the, the, the term is like Web3, but, but we truly believe that you know, applications and infrastructure that um, makes it basically easier to uh, utilize crypto uh, and crypto-enabled products, Okay. Um, we think that cryptocurrency, that tokens, as I mentioned, uh, tokens for governance, for incentives, for payment, for coordination, can actually add significant value um, to applications, can help to bootstrap networks. You've seen this with Helium. You've seen this with Arweave. You've seen this with you know, pl some play to earn gaming, mm -hmm. uh, although the jury's still out on what models will be sustainable there. Um, so we're, we're like very, very bullish on the notion of um, you know, I didn't even mention ownership, but, but the idea that you can basically have ownership of the networks um, that you participate in, a piece of the network that you participate in. So we believe that's powerful for both business and consumer use cases. Um, additionally, you know, we believe that, you know, money and value that's separate from any, call it centralized authority, a government, um, a bank, a business is powerful as well. 
so we're investing in businesses and projects and protocols that are creating that you know future um, where again they're networks that are owned, governed, uh, incentivized, and fueled um, you know sort of by uh, their own token economies. Yeah, is there anything on that investment thesis or your overall belief in Web three that you'd say like others may not agree with that you guys are just like extremely bullish on? I mean, I think it's popular. I mean, it, it's pretty contrarian to <clears throat> to still think even today. Um, if you tune into Twitter or the news or, or anywhere, you think we're, we're at a low in terms of you know people's. We're in that the trow of disillusionment where. You know, you're, you're going to hear cryptocurrencies outside of perhaps like Bitcoin and, and maybe Ethereum or maybe even they'll be included. You know, there's a lot of comments about these being you know, vapor and not having value. And you hear a lot of projects pointed to and tossed about as being you know, Ponzi's. Um, so I think it's like kind of contrarian right now. Um, I see a new blog post every day from people who I know are investing in tokens regularly that like tokens are an innovation, that crypto-enabled networks are innovation. We still believe that deeply, and I've like seen it at work. Um, you know, so we're investing like aggressively against mm -hmm. that. Um, we are invested in a number of like player and games that will launch later this year. Uh, we're invested in a number of you know, web three enabled networks uh, that uh, and sort of DAO structures uh, where they'll be launching more publicly later this year. So, yeah, we continue to deploy into areas that I would say are publicly unpopular, but, you know, we are remain bullish. And the good thing about that is because they're unpopular right now, um, you know, valuations are more reasonable than they were, as you mentioned earlier, sort of at the bullish peak uh, right. this year, late last year. Right. You know, so I, I could assume that building the block, which is one of the more reputable uh, media outlets in crypto, you've learned a lot around the business of traditional media um, because inherently it feels like a traditional media business covering the Web3 landscape. But I'm, I'm curious, while building out that business, you probably also discovered a lot of like traditional holes in media that maybe Web3 can solve. Do any come to mind? Uh, sure. I mean, the, the biggest is that it's really difficult to, and, and you learn this, um, to, you know, as you're covering stories that have multiple, you know, protagonists and, you know, multiple takes to actually ascertain like what the truth is. And so, you know, any news story or journalistic piece that's presented is going to, you know, have the perspective uh, deeply entwined of the person, you know, who's writing it. And, you know, you're never going to make anywhere near 100% of people uh, who are the subject of the story or reading it or impacted by it uh, happy. So it's difficult. It's, it's a really difficult, um, you know, to some extent, no, not like it's a no win um, industry and ecosystem. It's very, very easy to criticize uh, even, you know, really high quality journalism. And it's really difficult in today's, you know, hot, quick take environment uh, to defend you know, journalism that has integrity against, you know, really loud voices who you cover, whether that be, you know, a cryptocurrency exchange leader, um, you know, an influencer or somebody who has a pulpit mm -hmm. to accuse the news of being false. Right. So on that note, how do you kind of think about NFTs as a medium for media distribution? 
I think a, a good example is like tokenizing art and the collectability of art and the distribution of art, right? As a form Got of media, to, media to get better. Yeah. Right. Right. What What are your, what, what are your thoughts around that? Yeah. So, um, so one thing like to date, like last year at least, over the last you know twelve to fifteen months, people showed a higher willingness to pay for you know to your point media in the form of NFTs. Uh, you know, whether that be art, whether that be music, not really video or other things. Um, and even written stuff. Like I know there's been, you know, there's mirror and some other you know, NFT enabled publishing platforms. Uh, ultimately, you know, we've talked about like, I think play to earn gaming where you have NFTs and tokens, the core of the game and the core of what you own. I think that's going to be the largest, you know, initial manifestation of NFTs and quote unquote media. Um, but the, you know, I, I think it's, you know, NFTs in their current form where they're like, you know, primarily like static JPEGs right. or, or GIFs, like your GIFs. I, I don't want to be a boomer and call them GIFs, but like, <laughs> it's just kind of like, I don't think we've really explored the space where, um, you know, we're, we're really changing the media landscape. I think, you know, there are other experiments that are happening with media that I'm not sold on. Things like, you know, decentralized studios where you sell NFTs and then that community can sort of like vote on you know, what the story or the IP or the creative uh, you know, output will be. I'm not sure that's going to work. I'm not super bullish on it, but like I, I like to see folks experiment with those sorts of things. So I guess, um, you know, NFTs that as applies to like traditional media, I haven't thought a lot about mm. uh, NFTs as it applies to the things where they are working with respect to media is they're helping to you know, create communities or people sort of identify with this new form of media they've bought, like the NFT, the picture, the, the JPEG, the identity that they have. Um, and then, you know, that, that community coalesces around, you know, to some extent the art, but really it's about like the value of the thing and Hey, we're you know, part of this thing together and we self-identify. Mm -hmm. I mean, these aren't novel concepts, but they've been, you know, really, really powerful in terms of getting people excited. Um, I do think the money aspect of the stuff, you know, the speculative aspect is, is what has driven a lot of like the behavior and interest in, you know, NFT enabled art to date. Uh, and so to go beyond that to things like more interesting, we're going to have to give more properties to, to the NFTs that matter. You know, things like, as I mentioned, governance or input into creative direction, right. um, you know, token gated asset, um, uh, token gated access and, and things like that. Uh, but I, we haven't really seen those experiments uh, materialize other than as like proof of concepts today. What's up guys, Adam Levy here. Sorry for the quick pause, but I wanted to recognize a couple of our NFT sponsors who are helping make this episode a reality. They are Coinvise and Mint Songs. First up, on Coinvise, you can create a personal or community-owned social token on Ethereum. Coinvise also helps you create incentives through token rewards and bounties, NFT business models, and bot integrations for Discord. Discover more by visiting coinvise.co today. Next up, we've got Mint Songs, a community curated marketplace for one-of-one -one music NFTs minted on Ethereum. Mint Songs connects music lovers and collectors with artists that want to build unique one-to-one -one relationships with their fans through music. To join as an artist, you will need to be invited by an existing artist or an existing collector within the Mint Songs community. 
Check out the artists pioneering the future of Web3 music today by visiting mintsongs.com. All right, back to the episode. Are there are there any other experiments that you're kind of like eyeballing that have maybe not hit the main stage just yet around NFTs? Anything come to mind? Um, so I guess, I guess, and just to get, add more context, I'm trying to understand what the next wave of NFTs look like. I feel like 10k PFPs have had their era for the most part, right? And then trying to understand how can this primitive yeah, be used like in the other stuff means that we're interested in, like that we're investing in. Like, it's not even the next thing, I think it's just people will recognize that there's enduring value to utility based NFTs, right? Like, I have a project, LinksDAO, where the NFT that you purchase gives you, you know, the ability to purchase membership in the club, the ability to vote on the club's rules, um, you know, where <coughs> the club will be, a bunch of other things, and then access to perks and benefits. So that's one. Uh, you know, there are like utility-based NFTs. Like we, we invested in a company called POAP, Proof of Attendance, that becomes like almost like your passport of things you've done and places mm-hmm. that you um, So I think that's interesting. And then you know, what that enables is, okay, you have that PO app in your, you know, in your wallet. Okay. That means you qualify for X, Y, Z in the future. Um, you know, I think that's interesting. I think earning NFTs for doing, uh, you know, different tasks. So, Hey, you were a developer, you participated in this governance vote, or you built this particular thing and contributed right. code. And here's an NFT as proof of what you've done. You know, those are, those are interesting, you know, next steps. Um, but candidly, like I'm looking for people who can imagine things, you know, more exciting and wilder than that. If I had all the good ideas, I probably would be, uh, you know, incubating more businesses versus investing other people. So part of the, part of one of these businesses is LinksDAO. Um, I guess for those who don't know what it is, can you give a quick intro? Yeah. So it's a, it's a basically community, uh, governed and community created golf and leisure club. So we sold uh, 9,090 NFTs, uh, June, I'm sorry, January 1st and 2nd of this year. And the holders of those NFTs, uh, basically have rights to make decisions about what the golf course and club and rules, uh, that their participants in and future members of will be. So, um, the beauty of, this quote unquote web three golf and leisure club is one, we were able to sell FTs, which gave us funding to actually you know, go out and, and make this reality, right? Bring a community together, um, host events, um, you know, put infrastructure together to connect all of us mm-hmm. and you know, hire a team uh, to go out and execute and scout out and find a course and launch it. Um, and then yeah, the NFT allows us to do like token gating and access to benefits of being a part of this community. So that includes like significant discounts, access to certain events and things of that nature. So, um, you know, it's a, it's like a web 2.5 type thing, uh, you know, to use a, a term that's probably overused, but you know, it's a pragmatic use of the existing technology for fundraising and for community and governance primarily. And it's been really, really fun. And, and, the people stick around, whereas in a lot of these projects, you see them rise and fall in like two months. Uh, we have a really active community, you know, six months on, and you know, they're really excited for when we buy this course later this year and then launch it next year. So how the hell did you manage to raise $10 million in 24 hours from 9,000 memberships? Yeah. Wow. So the and I, rem- and I remember that day explicitly because it was all over Twitter. People were losing their mind, and the rate at which this community grew, grew was insane. 
It's yeah. unlike I've ever seen before. Maybe the, maybe the next biggest thing was Constitution Dow, like next it's to that. It's wild. Right? So um, I think the thing that you learn there, and, and it ties to the cryptocurrency markets, as we've seen, is, you know, a community like that's very momentum driven. Uh, and so we got a lot of momentum. Like we, you, know, you start with an audacious but achievable goal. Like <laughs> we're going to you know, buy or build one of the top you know, 100 golf courses in the world. And, uh, and then you rally folks around it and you move fast. So we went from you know, that initial statement to the actual NFT sale in 17 days. And while we did that, we basically put together, including me, a very credible team of you know, five or so core folks, and then had a number of folks who were actively involved and excited. Um, it happened over the holidays when folks had a lot of time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and so they could talk and look at stuff. And that was you know, part of the magic was you know, doing it at the end of a long holiday break. And um, we were fortunate enough, yeah, that it was at a point in time when you know, NFTs were extremely, extremely hyped and, you know, at that sort of crescendo. So the timing couldn't have been better. And yeah. so that's been great. And then we sustained it with, you know, media coverage. And now we're in like the, you know, like any momentum driven enterprise, we're in the, okay, now things settle back to like a normal cadence of actually delivering, you know, step by step. So we have, you know, weekly community town halls, weekly updates on progress against, you know, course acquisition and other operational things. And, you know, that cadence is, is fun. And then we do, you know, every four to six weeks an announcement, like our recent one with Callaway, where they're, you know, a really big partner of ours and they're the largest brand in golf. So that's been fun. Um, but yeah, uh, like just the, the telling a compelling story with a credible team, um, right. and capturing a moment, you've seen this happen over and over again. It's like, how did, you know, other side, how to board a yacht sell like a hundred million dollars worth of, you know, digital land, having never built a, you know, not a gaming company. Um, that was certainly momentum. How did, I mean, projects that suck and like walked away, like the <laughs> Pixelmon one. Right. Me two million. Um, you know, so I think like it's been weird, but a lot of things have happened on momentum. I think the folks who are participating in LinkedIn are, for, are fortunate that they, <laughs> Yeah, they chose to participate in one that's like high signal, unlike like a Pixelmon or some of these others where, you know, the folks were just happy to take the money. And we've been very transparent in the sense that you can see the Gnosis safe, like the, whether right. the funds are moving, like yeah. I haven't paid myself a dime, nor has you know, Jim, the CEO, because frankly, you know, we want to use as little of the treasury on ourselves and as much on uh, actually delivering the value prop that we promised to users. Like I have a full-time job, running right. fund, as you know. What were some of your biggest challenges with starting LinksDAO, let alone starting a tokenized community today? Yeah, so the, the biggest challenges are how do you transition sort of elegantly from that initial burst of energy and momentum and the idea that we're all participating, it's chaos, but there's some order to uh, a scenario where you can actually execute on like operationally doing things. And it's not gonna be like, we like during the month of January, February, we probably had a hundred plus people you know, reaching out in the name of LinksDAO to you know, different partnerships, um, uh, prospective partnership partners. And so we, we had to do a lot over the first three months of putting in place a true, you know, infrastructure for mm -hmm. LinksDAO that had 
you know, pods, right? So your marketing pod, your partnerships pod, your events pod, developer and engineering pod, et cetera. And then you know, nominating folks to actually lead those so that you had some order and some process. That was probably the most difficult thing that we've had to do. Um, the other part is just explaining the fact that the NFT holders don't actually own the, for us, like don't own the assets that we purchase, like the golf course, that would, that would be an unregistered security sale. So we're raising separate funding, equity funding to actually do that purchase. So we have that interplay between the corporate entity and the community um, and just keeping that balance. And it's similar to Yuga Labs and, and you know, ApeDAO and the Board Ape community. You, know, you basically have the corporation and then you have this community of, of holders and really you have to make sure that you deliver value and that it's symbiotic um, or else the whole thing fails. I guess with the last few minutes that we have on the podcast, I really want to understand where your head's at uh, for the bear market. Uh, bear market is a, is a time of opportunity. You find the best projects, you find the best builders, uh, and the ones who kind of last and stick through, uh, through thick and thin. What's on your radar for the bear market? What are you eyeing? What niches are you excited about to, to throw money at? Uh, walk me through that. Yeah, so the biggest thing is that um, you have to make an assumption about like usage of crypto and crypto enabled products okay. and, and when that's going to return. And I think like, you know, our, our guesstimate is it's going to take some time for things to normalize. Like we, we probably aren't at the bottom as of you know, the end of Q2 2022, um, particularly as you see, you know, problems with these lending desks. And, you know, I think we have, we don't really know how contained that stuff is. So the, the assumption then is that, hey, we're going to be in a bearish market for a decent period of time, most likely. And you have to adjust your expectation of like users. And that means that even a great product, it's going to take more time for it to catch on because you're going to have a less you know, enthusiastic and you know, a smaller base of folks who are looking for like the next great you know, crypto application. So what we're focused on a little bit more than we were you know, called three to four months ago is investing in infrastructure. So you know, the big problem right now is you know, most of the apps we use today, we use on our mobile devices, like while we're walking around and doing stuff, uh, that's pretty difficult with Web3 or crypto enabled applications. So, you know, I'm excited, for example, about what Solana is attempting with the Solana mm-hmm. mobile service. Um, and we're looking at, you know, different products, whether they be new, new wallets um, and you know, fiat on off ramps, but other infrastructure that makes it easier to use these applications and mobile devices. And then, you know, from an application perspective, I think we're we're probably focused a little bit less on like really, really way out there. Like, you know, I talked about tokens at the beginning of the conversation. The, while we believe in token enabled networks, like there's only a few categories where we think like it makes sense, and we have a framework that we've developed internally around that. And so we're looking for projects like where we think it naturally makes sense. And it's not just like a user behavior where somebody's trying to drop a token, you know, on top of like just an idea that they have. So right. um, anyway, yeah, we're we're just probably shift a little bit more to infrastructure and usability um, versus, you know, maybe going way out there on the kind of like app spectrum, just knowing that it's going to take a little longer for things to develop. I think that's a perfect place to wrap up, Mike. We're going to have to do this again soon. Before I let you go, where can we find you? Where can we learn more about everything that you're doing? Shill it away. Yeah. So just, I mean, I, I'm on Twitter quite a bit and it's at M-D-U-D-A-S, Adam Dudas. That's the best one. <laughs> you can't miss him. You're loud as hell and we, <laughs> we love it. <laughs> Thank you so much, man. Until next right. time.
Thank you, Adam. Congratulations on making it this far into the episode. You are a champ. And because of that, I want to say thank you by giving you a free participation NFT. You can claim yours today by visiting adamlevy.io forward slash NFT. Follow the steps on your screen. You'll be good to go. Also, depending on which platform you're listening on, be sure to like, subscribe, comment, share, favorite, etc. It really helps grow the platform and our reach online. And last but not least, I want to give some love and recognize one of our NFT sponsors who's helping make this episode a reality. They are CyberConnect, a decentralized social graph protocol allowing users to own and control their social connections while providing a universal data layer backed by powerful social features to empower developers. Already with 150,000 users and 3 million connections, CyberConnect is the largest decentralized social graph supporting Ethereum, Binance Smart Chain, Near, and Solana with more coming soon. To learn more, visit cyberconnect.me and start connecting with everyone in Web3.